0: I want to begin with just a little side thought. Um, During the pandemic, uh, we get to the end of the day, we get home, we're tired. uh, We often want to do something. Kathy and I love a good story. It doesn't matter if it's a book, doesn't matter if it's a movie, if it's a TV show, but a TV show is just about the right length. Uh, We find ourselves renting a movie these days and falling asleep before it's over. Uh, That's about the size of it. Um, So it's got to be a really good movie or we're not into it. But the TV show, An Hour, is just about great. They develop the plot, they put the bad guys in jail, the good guys go around and celebrate, and everything's just fine. But I have to be honest with you, um, I have really gotten tuned in through the years. Uh, There's a lot of predictableness about the plots of TV shows. You can pretty much guess what's going to happen and all of that. And uh, You also are reminded that it's moving along by the 15-minute Blocks of commercials that then in the last half hour become ten minute blocks and then you all of a sudden realize that hey There's no way they're gonna wrap this story up before this hour is over and You get to that place and then you knew it there it is It comes across the screen He said I can't believe this that I got to wait a week to find out what the rest is What happens to all these guys and everything that's going on and then during the pandemic Then you read the blog that you're following, and you find out that they stopped filming the thing for a couple of weeks because of the pandemic. But it's all about to be continued. So here's your warning for today. I got a lot of stuff to throw at you from the Exodus. Uh, And we're gonna get to the end of it, and we're gonna get to a place where we're gonna think, oh man, what happened? And it's gonna be continued. So there's your warning. We have been talking about um, the Exodus, and we're hoping that we can learn from the Exodus Uh, some things that will help us with our Christian life and the mission and ministry that God has given to us. We're hoping as well that it can help us as a church to move ahead with the things that we need to move ahead. If you remember, it was a little over a year ago that we had an assessment team come into our church and, and after they were here, they said that we need to embrace a mission of developing fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. And we need to embrace that mission and embrace that journey, just like the children of Israel needed to embrace the journey because when they didn't embrace it, when it wasn't something that they were sure that they wanted to accomplish and sure that they wanted to fill, that's when they began to fail. And the Scriptures tell us about a number of epic fails with the nation of Israel. There were some general fails, but the two epic fails that really stick out were when Moses was up on the mountain receiving the Ten Commandments. And the people of Israel said, It is taking him too long, he's not coming back. And that's one of the big complaints about people in church, in life, in whatever. It's taking too long. Have you you realized how many people are saying it's taking too long to get this vaccine out? Um, we've never done it this fast before in all of our lives, so I don't know what they're thinking. But they're thinking it's just taking too long. And um, my goodness, uh, give people just a little bit of a break. But they said that about Moses coming down out of the mountain. And so what they decided to do is is we're going to not only replace Moses, we don't need him anymore, he's not coming back, but we'll replace God. And so you know the story of them coming down off of the mountain and they had made the golden calf and were worshiping the golden calf. Because they thought the gods of Egypt and the gods of Canaan would be a better fit for them than the God that had delivered them from the hand of the Egyptians. And you need to be really careful that you don't get to the place in your Christian life where you begin to think that maybe there's a better replacement for God. The second epic fail is the one we're going to spend most of our time talking about this morning. And that is is that God had a purpose in telling them to embrace the journey. And that is he wanted to take them to the promised land a land flowing with milk and honey. And so it is that this morning we're going to talk today about embracing that journey. And we're going to talk about the fact that God made this promise to Moses when he was calling him to lead the children of Israel. He says, so I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey. The Israelites should have known that this is what God had intended for them. And we talked a few weeks ago about the fact that there were two ways that they could get to the land. They could have gone by means of the Philistines, which almost assuredly meant war. Or they could go through the desert, which meant hard times, lack of water, and difficult travel. But God took them the way that he, they would be least discouraged. And God has a plan for you. This, I love this statement, so I have come down. It sounds like what God would say after Jesus. Jesus says, I have come that they might have life and might have it more abundantly and might have it to the full. And so it is that we're gonna look at this story where they have now come to the border of the land and and Moses very wisely says, we're gonna send in 12 spies and he picked 12 of the best men from the land of Israel and sent them into the land of Canaan. And as they went through, they were just in awe of what the land could provide. Agriculturally, it was a win-win But it was full of fortified cities and it was full of large people in stature and they were people coming out of slavery that were diminished and small. And so here's the thing that we want to look at. If you don't embrace the journey, there's a number of things that are going to pull you away from the place that God is trying to take you and the place where you want to go. We're in the midst of thinking about making a decision of merging with Redeeming Grace Fellowship. If you don't embrace that journey... Every time something difficult or something challenging comes up, you're going to want to replace it, or you're going to want to fix it, or you're going to say it's taking too long. You've got to embrace the journey, and so when we make that decision, I hope it's a decision that there's no turning back from. Uh, This is the beginning of Black History Month, and you're going to start to see a reminder all around us of one of the most grievous ills of our nation, and that was the ill of slavery that we foisted upon a race in our own nation. And if you study the history, after we fought the Civil War, one of the biggest problems we had with Reconstruction, and you need to read this, there's a great PBS series on it that is available over the next few weeks, but the reason we failed so miserably at it and and racism continued to grow and it continued to fester is because nobody embraced the idea that we really need to move on. Isn't it interesting that we just had an election and everybody says, we got to unify, But i got news for you. Nobody's embracing what it takes to unify. You know what it takes to unify? It takes people being committed to love people that they disagree with. And if if you're not there, and that's what the church is all about, our marriages fall apart because people don't embrace the journey. They don't embrace the fact that you need to love somebody so much. That's why those traditional vows are so incredible. In sickness and health, richer or poorer, in all of these things, I take you. And you're mine. What a privilege it is to love somebody in the ups and downs of life. And so let's take a look at what we learned from these spies going into the land, coming back, and um, the situation that we find ourselves in in the story of the Exodus. The first thing we're going to find out is, is that what God sometimes promises us to do in the eyes of many people, it looks good, but... They're always throwing out the buts but what about this, but what about that? It just doesn't measure up to what I want to do and where I want to go. And so the spies came back. And it says in Numbers chapter 13, verse 27 and following, they gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey, just like God promised, just like God intended. Here is its fruit. They had to put grapes on a um, stick that they carried between two men because the bunch of grapes was so large. But verse 28 says, but the people who live there are powerful, and the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw descendants of Anak there. They were a historical people that were larger in stature than all the rest. And it was even rumored that they had descended from the angels cohabiting with men. But we even saw these giants in the land. It looks good, but and do you ever hear of somebody that says, Yeah, the Christian life, it sounds all right, but there's too many other good things in life that we need to add to it? One time I met somebody who was into Eastern religions, and they said, You know, I have no problem with your Christianity, but if you would only learn my way, your Christianity would be so much better. And I said, What is so much better than a God who so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believed in him would not perish, but have eternal life? What a gift! But we're always saying, but God, I like you and I like your salvation, but I'm not going to follow your sexual morality. God, I like you and I like your salvation, but I'm not going to follow your desire for me to tell the truth at all times, or not to commit adultery, or not to do this or not to do that. We always throw the buts in. Just like the the spies came back says it looks good, but and people are afraid of the world out there. Last week, Pastor Caleb was talking about the fear that we have in sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the reason that we have that fear is is we're afraid of the giants in the land. We're afraid of the educational structure that says that you're a moron if you think that there is a creator and there is no evolution. We're afraid of a world that is full of powerful people with their money and their influence and all of that. We're afraid of political parties. We're afraid of everybody. There's giants in the land. But God has said, I'm greater than the giants. And so it is that there's always people of vision, men and women that rise up in the right time in the right place that lead us where we need to go. And so it was that standing there this day when they came back and gave this report were Caleb, Joshua, Moses, and Aaron. And we hear from Caleb first in verse 30 of Numbers chapter 13. Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses because they were all muttering at this report that had come back. What do you mean giants in the land? I can't believe that we're going to have to go in and fight giants. But Caleb silenced the people and he said, we should go up and take possession of the land for we can certainly do it. I love somebody who says, we can do it. But the men who had gone up with him said, we can't attack those people. They're stronger than we are. And therein is the rub. Caleb believed that God was stronger than the people on the land the rest of the people believed that God that the, they were weaker than the people in the land and if we don't go out and fight with God and his strength we will lose the battle uh, interesting this is democracy at work by the way um, the majority 10 against 2 said that we can't take the land and so you need to make sure that you understand that truth is not beholding to democracy truth is truth regardless of how many people believe in it. The truth about Jesus Christ dying on the cross for you doesn't have anything to do with how many people think it's true. It has to do with whether it's true or not. And the scriptures are all about truth. In Matthew 16, God said to the church, and he said to Peter in this prophecy, he says, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. And the gates of Hades will not prevail against it, will not overcome it. And so it is that this is what God has told us. And do you believe it like Caleb believed that God would lead them into the land? Do you believe that God will take us out into the community and the gates of hell will fall as the gospel goes forth? What a promise. And then there's not only the vision and the people and the men and women of vision, but there's the rumors of men. And uh, you're going to say to yourself as you hear this part of the message that you got that right because this is what's happening all around us. Whenever there's naysayers, there's always those people that love to fill in the gaps of Scripture. Those parts that you don't fully understand, they'll tell you what it really means and what it really understands. That's why you have to be so careful with prophecy. Prophecy is meant to be understood in the time of its fulfillment. And very often ahead of time, you can't figure it all out. And and I gotta tell you, as a theologian and as a pastor, I've tried to figure it all out. I've got my charts, I've got it all laid out. I can tell you what I think will happen. This much I know, Jesus is going to come again. And when we get to that place, we're going to sit there in amazement at the prophecies that are being fulfilled right and left all around us. But we also need to beware of those that fill in the gaps with the rumors of men. There's been men of God that have stood up in recent time and said that God has no need for the church. He's done with it. It's too polluted. It's too compromised. There's others that have set dates for Jesus coming back. Even though Jesus said, nobody knows the day or the time that I'm coming back. And the rumors of men fly. And so it is in Numbers 13. They're waiting to go into the land. Two had said, let's go take the land. Ten had said, there's no way we can. There's giants in the land. And in verse 32 it says, and they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. They said the land explored, it devours those living in it. Uh, all the people we saw there were of great size. We saw the Nephilim there, the descendants of Anna coming from the, come from the Nephilim. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes and we looked the same to them. Now that's an incredible statement because it looks at it from both perspectives and it just seems like it's sometimes the Christian thinks the world looks so big and the world looks at the Christian and thinks they look so small. And isn't that the truth about our fear a lot of times when the rumors start to fly and it never was about how big you were or how strong you were if we don't do it in the power of God's spirit it's not going to succeed in the scheme of eternity you might be able to put together enough money to buy whatever you want to buy and you may even be able to use that money to influence the church and build the church but but the church isn't supposed to be run by those people that give the most money it's supposed to be run by those people that are godly and those people that are moved by the spirit of God And those people that know and understand the things of God. And so it is the rumors were flying around the people of Israel and they bought into all of it. That the land is too, it's full of giants and there's no way we can take it. There's just no way. And so do you fall prey to the rumors of men? I'm just amazed that sometimes, ever since the pandemic started and this election turmoil went on and the social unrest went on, my mailbox has been full of people sending me stuff saying, you got to listen to this and I'm just amazed at what people will believe. And I've told you this simple truth um, through the years, and this you've got to know and understand, that man has the ability to believe anything. Man has the ability to die for anything. During the World Wars, they died for the dumbest of causes, for the supremacy of races, for the um, ability to just put other people in slavery, and on and on it goes. People will believe anything, they will die for anything. So when you get all this stuff thrown at you, conspiracy theories, and and even the theories that are accepted by everybody, you need to be somebody that, um, I have believed this personally, that my life is a pursuit of the truth. And it needs to be relentless. And it needs to be humble. And it needs to be held humbly once you find it. That's why you don't find me beating people up, saying, what's the matter with you that you don't think the way I think? Um, And then God, of all people, comes down and says, I want you to take whatever message you think is truth and spread it with some love. Because if the church ever had an opportunity, it's now, because the world just doesn't have a clue what love is. They think love is, agree with me. And love is far greater than that and far bigger than that. And so do you believe the rumors of men? And then one of the classic things of all time, the grass was greener. Uh, Let's look back to where we came from and boy, it sure looked better. And um, I've shared this story with you before, but when I became involved with endurance kayak racing and canoe racing on the river, um, I spent a lot of time learning how to get better at what it is and we finally became for a group, a couple of amateurs, my partner and I, we became very good and we we won some of the trophies and we, we, we did well. But it took a long time to learn one basic truth, that we used to paddle down the river, and we'd be going down this side, and you'd always look for the fast water. And we'd say, it's over there. And so we would use a lot of energy to get to the other side, and then when we were the other side and what we thought was the current, we'd look back to where we were and says, no, it looks better over there. And it was years before we learned that you got to step out of the river and step back and take a look at it from God's perspective. you got to move back and take a look at it from a broader perspective to see where the river really is running faster. And then regardless of what you see when you're in the middle of it, you need to believe what you found out was true when you were outside. This was really driven home one time when my partner and I made our way through um, a very difficult section of the river, and we finished it up, and we were coming back. And as we were coming back, There on the banks of the river was gold medalist Greg Barton, who was one of the greatest paddlers of all time. And I said to my partner, I said, we're getting out. And uh, we got out, and what would you know they were doing is is they were doing just what I said. They were looking at the river and saying, that's where it's best, right there, rather than when you're in the middle of it all. There's decisions to be made in the middle of the river, but there's decisions to be made when you're back out. And um, we need to realize, that it's a problem thinking the grass is always greener. And so in Numbers 14, that night all the people of the community raised their voices and wept aloud. All the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron, and the whole assembly said to them, if only we had died in Egypt or in this desert. Why is the Lord bringing us to this land only to let us fall by the sword? Our wives and children will be taken as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt and they said to each other, we should choose a leader and go back to Egypt. And so there's two things that happen in their mindset with, in the midst of all their discouragement. The first thing is, is, you know what, this is lousy. What we had before was lousy, but I'm, I'm remembering it, so it was a lot better. Let's go back to slavery. And I've known Christians that have given up on the Christian life because of difficulties and challenges. And they've gone back to the sinful life that they lived before thinking that it's better than what they have in Jesus Christ. Taking their eyes off the fast-moving water of eternal life. Taking their eyes off the comfort of the good shepherd that's there for them day by day. Taking their eyes off of all the truth that surrounds the Christian life and saying the grass was greener. The second thing is, as they said, let's choose a leader that'll take us back. You will find a leader to take you anywhere you want to go. As a matter of fact, Most of us are followers, and what we do is is we choose leaders. Uh, I'm not a brilliant person, um, so I have chosen theologians, and I've chosen schools to teach me and take me where I think I need to go and where I want to go, and they have led well. But you need to choose your leaders carefully. And here they wanted to go back to Egypt, and they said, let's just choose a leader that will take us back there. And it wasn't long before a leader would take them everywhere. It would be Aaron that would help them build the golden calf. It would be the leaders of the people that would lead them in all kinds of turmoil. And it was 10 out of 12 that were saying, there's no way we could go into the land. One of them, I'm sure, would say, let's go back to Egypt. But the good news is, is in the midst of all this turmoil, in the midst of the rumors of men, and in the midst of the thin voice of just a few saying, we can take the land, there's the people of faith. And I want you to just look at this. It's so beautiful. The first thing is, is we find Moses and Aaron. Moses and Aaron fell face down in front of the whole Israelite assembly gathered there. Um, Throughout the story of the Exodus, whenever it comes to Moses and the people straying from the things that God had asked them to do, there's always the word then Moses or but Moses. And you need to put a highlighter on every single one of them. Here the people are rebelling, and you would think that Moses could just get up and run around and just say, you know what, I knew I should have never gotten involved in this mess. But what he does, he had such love for the people that he fell down on his face and he prayed. Moses was a man of prayer. Moses was a man who sought out God. And when you read the prayers of Moses for the children of Israel, it it were prayers pleading for them to know the grace of God and we're going to find out one of those prayers the next time we come to this passage we're not going to get time to get to it today but Moses and Aaron fell face down and then Joshua who was also a prayer warrior in Exodus chapter 33 we find out that Moses used to set a tent up outside the camp of the Israelites it was called the tent of meeting And the reason it was called the tent of meeting is is that the Spirit of God in the form of the cloud and the pillar of fire would come down and sit over the tent of meeting, and Moses would go out and meet with God face to face. It was such an incredible encounter that he'd come back and he would glow. Uh, That's how incredible it all was. And Joshua would go out with him, and Joshua would stand at the tent, and it says that Moses would come back when he was finished, but Joshua would linger in the presence of God. Joshua was a man of prayer as well, and so Joshua, son of Nun, Caleb, son of Jephunneh, who were among those who had explored the land, they tore their clothes and said to the entire Israelite assembly, the land we passed through and explored is exceedingly good. Now, it's in contrast to the people that said it devours those who live in it. The land we passed through and explored is exceedingly good. If the Lord is pleased with us, he will lead us into that land a land flowing with milk and honey, and will give it to us. Only do not rebel against the Lord, and do not be afraid of the people of the land, because we will swallow them up. Their protection is gone, but the Lord is with us. Do not be afraid of them. One of the reasons why we struggle so much with our Christian lives is because we do not linger in the presence of God in prayer, It's because we do not believe that God walks with us each step of the way. And it's because we do not sense the presence of God around us in our homes and in our um, worship services and wherever we are. But that's got to be what we seek with all of our heart. We seek the Lord being with us. That's the promise of heaven. Uh, You may think you're going to get up there and be thrilled with the latest um, street of gold or the latest pearl thing. That's just window dressing for the presence of God. God with us. That's Emmanuel. That's Jesus. And so it is. We've looked at these things that have all stirred us up and brought us to this part of the story. The men were saying, the land looks good, but there's giants in the land. There were those few that had vision and saying, come on, we can do this. Let's go in. Caleb, Joshua, Moses, Aaron, let's do this. But there were the rumors of men. And the rumors of men were caught on by the majority of people and they, they wept and they complained and, and they worried and their hearts were full of anxiety. And it led them to think the grass is greener on the other side of the fence. Let's go back to slavery. It was better than what we have now. But then there were the people of faith. And so you might think if we have all of this, where does that bring us in our story? It brings us to this verse in Numbers chapter 14, verse 10. But the whole assembly talked about stoning them. Then the glory of the Lord appeared at the tent of meeting to all the Israelites. Let's pray. Father, we have much to think about um, from the message this morning. And I pray, Father, that we would choose wisely our leaders, that we would seek earnestly that which we believe and are willing to die for. I pray, Father, that we would understand in a new and fresh way what it means that you are with us. I pray, Father, that we would not fear the, promise, the journey to the promised land. If it takes us through our community to gather others to go on the journey with us, I pray, Father, that we would be ready to do whatever you have asked us to do, that we would embrace the mission. And I pray, Father, that it wouldn't be just a Caleb and Joshua among us, but I pray, Father, that all the people would rise up and say, Lord, we want to follow you. I think of the words of your son, come and follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And Father, I pray that we would hear the call of Jesus, that we would hear the cry of heaven, for that cry is mercy, mercy for the fallen sons of men. And mercy is triumph. And I pray, Father, that we would seek you with all of our heart. Help us to embrace the mission that you've given us. Help us not to look back as if it's a better place than where we're going. I pray, Father, for your blessing upon us this morning as we seek to walk in your will and in your way. And Father, I'm looking forward to see how you got Moses and Aaron and Caleb and Joshua out of this mess. I pray that like your pillar of glory came down upon the tent of meeting, that it would come down upon this church That Gateway Church would know where you want to take us and what you want us to do. And that we would know it's with the power of your spirit that we'll accomplish it. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.